The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yeah, not Regina Doherty this week. Uh, rather, Lisa Chambers, the Fianna Fáil Senator, leader of the Shannon, Mick Barry as well, Socialist TD for Cork North Central, a member of uh, the Oireachtas Enterprise Trade and Employment uh, Committee. You're both very welcome. Uh, we started the show at four o'clock talking about what had been happening uh, in Clare overnight, this blockade of a hotel preventing asylum seekers gaining access. Of course, it's hot on the heels of that awful incident on Sandwith Street in Dublin City uh, where it looks like refugees burned out of their accommodation such as it was tents uh, down an alleyway in the city centre. Uh, Mick, does it all point to a government failing? Have we done all we can as the government done all it can to help asylum seekers? Uh, no, I don't think the government has done all it can to help uh, asylum seekers. Uh, and I think what happened... Uh, down in the Pierce Street area, Sandwich Street, uh, towards the end of last week, uh, is a clear indication of that. So, um, as you say, we had uh, a violent attack uh, on an encampment. Uh, we had burning of tent, uh, tents and belongings. Uh, the people who were in the encampment there uh, were a small cohort of the 550-plus asylum seekers uh, who are on the streets. Uh, it seems to me the government have had a kind of sleep-on-the-streets uh, policy. They haven't uh, moved to accommodate people, uh, some of them for uh, months. And we saw earlier in the year uh, at various locations around the state uh, the far-right uh, mobilising uh, crowds uh, to stand outside buildings. Uh, we saw um, the nasty atmosphere uh, around that, we saw the hatreds that was stirred uh, up there. But the people in the buildings had at least the protection uh, of, you know, bricks and mortar uh, and walls between them uh, and the far right crowd. Um, the government have 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 made asylum seekers an easy target for the far right by forcing more than five hundred people to sleep out on the streets with no protection other than uh, a tent, and they've ignored the warnings that have been given to them by, by many observers and commentators. Um, so, no, I don't think the government have done all they can. Lisa Chambers, have they? I think the government, I mean, in the context of what we're dealing with, the scale of it, um, you know, just to, to put into context, we've had 15,000 uh, international protection applicants come in in the last year. That's up on from an average of 3,500. So, it is extraordinary circumstances. That's on top of the 65,000 in around Ukrainian refugees as well. So the system's under pressure. There's no doubt about that. And I think overall, the government has done a good job. We've provided accommodation to almost everybody, not everyone, but almost everyone. And we've provided uh, financial support, uh, medical support. Uh, communities have been very welcoming. So I think, you know, I think we can be proud of the response we've, we, we've had. And there's no member state in Europe finding this easy. It's a challenge right across the board. Um, it is putting pressure on systems. The minister has said that, in fairness to him. And every effort is being made, you know, do acknowledge that there have been people that have come in and they haven't been given accommodation immediately. But every effort is being made to source extra beds. But you've got that kind of conflict now where many tourist accommodation, uh, hotels and that are being used. Some are choosing not to continue contracts. So those beds are taken out of the system. We're trying to get more beds brought back in. Um, it's a huge challenge and it's going to continue to be a challenge. But right across the board, everybody condemned what happened around Pierce Street and Sandwich Street. That was utterly appalling. And and I hope those individuals will be OK. Um, you know, and it's a small number. So let's not let that 
tar everybody with the same brush. Um, overall, we've been a very welcoming country. The government has done its very best to help people in their time of need. And I think generally we've done a good job in, in extraordinary circumstances. Mick, uh, I think it's about the equivalent of the population of Galway that we've added to the country in the last year. I mean, have the government done as much as could be expected? Well, What more could they have done? There's no question that there has been a huge national effort here. uh, And the people of the country have pitched in in relation to that. That's from the carpenter who's involved in kitting up the refugee accommodation uh, to the teacher who's teaching the kids uh, English language, etc., etc., Uh, And uh, the the state certainly uh, has made significant efforts uh, on that front. Um, The question that's been posed, uh, certainly the the question as as I got it, uh, wasn't so much on the issue of refugees. It was on the issue of asylum seekers. And you would have to wonder as to whether there is a two-tier policy here, all right? Uh, Is it the position that we have people coming from Ukraine whose government is friendly with the European Union, friendly with the United States, etc., etc., who are treated in one way. And we have people coming from countries like Afghanistan, Somalia, uh, who who are people of colour, who are being treated another way. It certainly seems to many observers, and to me, I have to say, that there is a bit of a two-tier policy there. The people who've been forced out into the tents are people who are uh, asylum seekers, overwhelmingly, in that uh, in that uh, situation, Lisa. Well, well, there are two different systems. That's that's not a secret. That that's quite transparent. Um, for Ukrainian refugees, a decision was taken at an EU level that they would be treated like EU citizens, even though they're not full members. They are on the pathway to, to membership. So, similarly, if if they were coming from Spain or France, um, they're getting access to a medical card, social protection payments, uh, the same as as other EU citizens. So that is a different system. Um, that was agreed at, at an EU level, and we are implementing those rules uh, for international protection for asylum seekers from other countries. Um, there is a system. It's a separate system. It's it's not the same. You know, you are not permitted to work immediately. You don't get access to the same level of payment. Um, so it is a different system. Um, nobody is saying that it's yeah, not. Yeah, but in terms of access to accommodation, how is it different? Well, my understanding of it is it's not just international protection applicants that we are struggling to provide accommodation for. It is right across the board. And we've seen the movement of some Ukrainian refugees, for example, where they might have been accommodated in one hotel and that hotel pulls the contract and we're moving people around. So I've engaged with Minister O'Gorman on this. I've met him personally face to face on it. I can tell are Ukrainians you, sleeping on the streets to the same degree that asylum seekers of colour, as Mick describes them, are sleeping on the streets? I have no evidence to show either way. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it's the same system because we know that it's not, but I know there have been challenges for... it's In the overall numbers we're dealing with, the numbers that have not been provided with accommodation immediately is small in comparison to the overall numbers. The scale of what we're dealing with in the period of time is just unprecedented. We are struggling to manage it. We are doing our very, very best. And I think we can be overall proud of how we've handled it. Um, you know, but there are two different systems in place. That's not, that's quite transparent. We know this. Um, and anyone that doesn't get accommodation when they arrive, uh, every effort has been made to source additional beds. And that's happening on a daily basis, the Department of Integration is sourcing extra accommodation. It's that That's the level of, I suppose, focus on this issue. And local authorities in every area are working as well to try and source accommodation. I want to, so make, a, want to make a broader point about uh, accommodation. Um, I want to talk briefly, and I will tie it in, yeah. about the victims of the Irish housing crisis. Uh, we have 12,000 people in emergency accommodation. Nearly 4,000 of them are kids. Uh, the government is not doing nearly enough on that front. I mean, we've got 50,000 buildings that have been vacant for seven years and more. In Cork, 
uh, we have 700 derelict buildings within two square kilometres of the city centre. Um, I think, my, to be very clear, my message is refugees are welcome here. But I also think it's a fact, and what I pick up on the ground, that there are people who look at the significant efforts, they're not enough, but the significant efforts that have been made to accommodate refugees, and contrast that with the lack of efforts that's being made to solve the issues facing the victims of the housing crisis in this country. There's resentment comes from that and it's resentment that is being in a really opportunist and brutal way stirred up by uh, uh, the far right. And in that sense, I think, in my view, the government are part of the problem here. All right? um, Malcolm X once said that you cannot have capitalism without racism. And the lack of social services, the lack of decent standard of living and the lack of housing in particular in hard-pressed working class areas the government are opening a door to the far right to tap into resentment. That, that, that there was more urgency evident in the government's response to what happened over the last 12 months in terms of refugees and asylum seekers than is evident in their response to housing. Is that essentially it? To be clear, I say refugees are welcome here. But yeah. yes, I think that people do see a contrast in those two things. And it's, it's, it's creating resentments that the far right are exploiting. The government, in that sense, are opening the door to the far right. And, and, and there has to be a complete change of policy in terms of tackling those issues. Okay, that's a a very dangerous space to be getting into. And it's one thing to say, uh, you know, we're very supportive of bringing in refugees and then on the other hand say, but there is resentment building up and trying to draw a comparison. That's a dangerous space to be getting into. Um, Let's be very clear, the accommodation being provided to those seeking asylum or international protection or refugees, you know, it's, 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 you know, units where there's multiple beds in units. It's hotel accommodation. It's not... Um, it's it's not the gold standard in terms of not everyone's getting a house coming in from you know Ukraine or wherever else. But that comparison, if it's been drawn, is only done so to create unrest in communities and to create and to generate anger. And yeah. that's a really dangerous. I think that's a really dangerous space to stray into. And I'm not suggesting. I mean, those attacks uh, in, around Pier Street. Uh, it it you know I think it's fair to say there probably was motivated by race, um, and there was you know it's just it's basically don't to, want to, to be, be clear. Into. Yeah, to be clear. The far right and racists don't need any excuse <laughs> to be racist, right? As far as, as, as many of them are concerned, what happened in Pier Street the other night is only the start of a long, hot summer. And I, I, I think you'd have to ask the question, you know, are, are we going to have, uh, 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 you know, racist uh, um, people injured by racist attacks or killed mm. by racist attacks? In the in the in, in this country, but the point I'm making here is, yeah. I'm a little bit tired of the finger wagging from government representatives uh, when when the point is made about the lack of action on the Irish housing crisis. The racists don't need any excuse, but they need an audience, and the government is giving them an audience by yeah. not tackling but the housing quite, crisis. I mean, you're, you're 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 conflating two completely separate debates if we're being honest about it the housing crisis is obviously a challenge for the country and i think when you start saying that that's tied into providing accommodation for refugees and asylum seekers you will stir up anger and and that is you're not comparing like with like. We have to deal with both challenges. We don't have the luxury of saying, sorry, we've got one challenge here, we can't we can't deal with the next one. Mm. We are where we are. We have a situation where under international obligations, under EU law as well, we have to deal with the numbers coming into the country, which are they're extraordinary numbers in terms of the last but, 12, 12, yeah, 12 me, months. Me, does, does your your argument would stand up better, wouldn't it, if, if uh, all these asylum seekers and refugees who had arrived here in the last 12 months were, were in housing units, but they're in what is the equivalent of emergency accommodation. Temporary, temporary accommodation, you not know, it, suitable it, for long term. Look, 
the government are not doing enough for refugees, the government are not doing enough for asylum seekers. But people will contrast the scale of the effort and the urgency of the effort that's made on the refugee front in particular with the lack of action in relation to the housing crisis. Uh, And for government representatives to say, you cannot bring up that point, it's dangerous to bring up that point, it's an an attempt to control and to censor the debate. Sorry, Mick, I wasn't saying to bring it up, I said to compare and contrast the two, which is quite different. I'm comparing and contrasting the efforts that has been made. And, you know, anyone who's in touch with working class communities in particular will know that that is a discussion that is taking place and and people who are not racist who are not racist, are bringing up points in relation to that. And what we need to do is we need to do better for our asylum seekers and refugees and we absolutely need to do better for the victims of the housing crisis who are 12,000 people in emergency accommodation including nearly 4,000 kids. Uh, well, Mick's point does uh, echo uh, arguments that were made in and around COVID in fairness, Lisa, which was that look at what the state can do when it puts its mind to it, when the kind of apparatus of the state is addressed to a single problem. Now, COVID maybe is a bad example because it was literally the only problem they had to think about and on any given day the state has other uh, uh, kind of plates it has to keep spinning. Mm. But, you know, it does it does have echoes of that argument that maybe there has been a lack of urgency around housing when you compare what the state can do in these other situations. Well, I mean, I mean, I could start going through all of the different initiatives under housing, the four billion investment, the Creek Conaha scheme to bring back vacant properties that Mick talks about, uh, the cost rental properties that didn't exist three years ago that we have today, the increase in social homes, uh, you know, that we haven't had in the last two decades. 12,000 so people to in say, emergency no, accommodation? No, I mean, I, I take that point on board, but to say that nothing has been done in housing is just not accurate and it's not, I don't think it's, it's reasonable to suggest that. And also to say there isn't enough being done for refugees and asylum seekers. You know, I would pose the question. I think it's very obvious to people that a lot has been done to help people in, in that situation. And it's it's an impossible situation for us to be in. It's a huge challenge. We, I think it's fair. Government are doing their very best. You're never going to have no impact or no disruption in the country when you bring in over 80,000 people in the last, in one year. It's going to, you're going to see the impact of that. You're going to feel the challenge and the pressure of that. And I think it's unreasonable to suggest that that could have been avoided. Lisa Chambers, Fianna Fáil Senator, Mick Barry, Socialist TD for Cork North Central. Thank you both very much for joining me here on the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.